destroying the media lies, and dismantling the narratives, one story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show Quick Rant. So what is punk rock? Of course, it's a musical style. That's one way of looking at it. But there's more to it than that. What is punk rock? What is the punk rock ethos? What is the mentality? It's going against the grain. It's taking yourself in a self-reliant way and moving forward. It's basically saying, hey, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it because I'm looking out for my interest. Doesn't mean it's selfish. It means self-interested. That's different. That means it's going to go and push the boundaries. It's going to go against the group think. Are we seeing that in politics? Used to be that the punk rock always, for some reason, aligned with the left. You know, because they looked at those on the conservative side, on the libertarian side. For some reason, they looked at the conservative side as being this oppressive, morality-pushing group of prudes. That's not the case anymore. That pendulum has, has shifted. The prudes, the morality police are on the left. They're the cancel culture. They're the people that, you know, if you hold up a sign at a, at a game that says, hey, I want to buy some more beer, and you raise money off of it, and you go, hey, I'm going to give this money to a good charitable cause, and you raise a ton of money in doing so and gain sponsorships from corporate businesses, they're going to be the first ones to go looking through your tweets, seeing if there was any infractions, see if you committed any sins. They're going to go back through your social media post. They're going to hunt you down. They're going to dox you. If you're the person who decides to make a funny little video, being a, a satirical edge to something in politics, they're going to go find out who created it, go chase you down. You know, the forklift operator putting up the meme. They're going to find you and they're going to dox you because they want the rest of the gang mob to come after you because you have committed the sin. That's not punk rock. Punk rock is being the guy who made the meme and said to hell with you. <laughs> to hell with politics, to hell with all of this. That's what being punk rock is. Self-reliance, not expecting help from the government. You're doing it all on your own. You're DIY. You're making your merch. You're making your seven-inch vinyl. You're getting out there booking your own shows. That's punk rock. It isn't getting free college and, and free health care and having the government coddle you all the way through. That's not punk rock. Punk rock is also about battling the establishment. And like it or not, and I, of course I didn't vote for him, voting for Donald Trump in 2020 is punk rock because everybody's against him. And I don't look at him as the savior by any means. But I do look at him being the fly in the ointment. I do look at him being the middle finger. And at this point, the guy doesn't need to build a wall, although I'd like him to. The guy doesn't need to, uh, to rein in spending. I'd like him to. It's also Congress's job. Have they done that? Even with the Republican majority? Hell to the no. But that's what being punk rock is. Shoving your nose to the establishment. Thumbing your nose. 
We used to do that to bands that sucked or bands that were posers. And you could tell we'd walk up to them, thumb to the nose as they're playing. Stand out in the middle of the mosh pit, thumb in your nose. That's what they do to the establishment. And so I think we need to think about where is punk rock these days? Not the music scene, the attitude. It's with the conservatives. It's with the libertarians for the most part. The libertarians don't want anybody messing with them. Leave me alone. Let me do for myself and for my family. I don't need your help. And I don't want you to tell me how to live. And I don't want you to go through my tweets. And I don't want you to go through my social media posts. And I don't want you to sit there and go, well, am I woke enough? Uh, You're not woke enough because you didn't say cisgendered, non-binary, pansexual, two-spirit, him, his, her, uh, none of that crap. That's that's not punk rock. When you've got everybody going around, hi, uh, point of personal privilege. Hi, uh, my name is uh, is Xander, and uh, yeah, I identify as a him, he, his. You're a you're a douche. <laughs> you are a. I'm not even gonna say it. Uh, it's a slang for cigarettes in Britain, but that's what you are. You're spineless. You have no backbone. You follow the crowd. You think you're woke. You know, you think you're going to sit there and find the racist components within haircuts. Oh, bowl haircuts are a sign of white supremacy. Holding up the OK sign is another white power symbol. You're woke. Wow, you're going to find it's like that scene in in Boomerang. I always bring that up because it was Martin, uh, Martin Lawrence talking to Eddie Murphy and David Allen Greer. They're playing pool and he's like, see? This is a game about racism. Look at that. The white ball hits all the color balls. He hits the yellow ball. He hits the red ball. And then to win, he hits the black ball. That's what, that's what this is. That's what woke culture is. It's insanity. Going against the grain is punk rock. It always has been. That's why the music was fast, melodic, Heavy in your face, aggressive. Now, I took it a little bit further when I was growing up because, yeah, I like punk rock, but I liked hardcore. And hardcore was even more intense. It was bludgeoning. It was brutal. It was fast. It was pretty much barely melodic. It had some melody, but when it had some melody, it was gruff melody at that. It was It was just intensity ramped up and we saw that in a couple of different areas you know dc always had the aggressive in your face punk but new york always had to take it to a harder level streets of new york back in the 80s were pretty tough probably tougher than dc dc was no easy uh, cakewalk back then but new york was always just a little bit heavier so while we had minor threat down here in the dc area They had agnostic front. You know what I'm saying? They had hardcore that was more edgier, more metallic, more bludgeoning, more pummeling. And when you saw that scene grow, you had bands like Gorilla Biscuits, Underdog. You know, down in D.C. area, we had Government Issue. Then we had bands that came out of that Scream. Dave Grohl from Nirvana, before he was even playing drums in Nirvana, was in Scream. And Scream had 
members of government issue. Scream was actually some of the members of Scream went off to do things like the stoner doom metal band Goat Snake. But you had these punk and hardcore scenes growing in these metropolis areas. Yeah, there was some in Chicago and, of course, California. But New York and D.C., they were the epitome of it all. Bad Brains, D.C., and then they moved up to New York. You know, that scene bubbled down here. I caught the mid to the end of that era. You know, mid, mid-80s to early, early to mid-90s. Amazing stuff used to come down here. And when you saw the evolution of hardcore into what it turned into, it turns into this post-punk, post-core kind of amalgamation of styles. That's where your minor threats and your rights of, of spring uh, converged into Fugazi. In Fugazi, it was still considered punk or hardcore because of the attitude. That's what I was talking about in the beginning. It's not the musical style. It was nothing sounds like us. We're going to take whatever style we want. We're going to throw in a reggae beat and we're going to put it over some, you know, in your face punk guitars. And we're going to do so by screaming into, into you know, little microphones that, that sound like boxes, sound like transistor radios. We're going to do that because we want to. Screw you. And then you had that same kind of evolution happening in, in New York, where you had Gorilla Biscuits, who were putting out some bludgeoning hardcore, Walter Schreifels and the gang, and then it melded into Moondog, which eventually became Quicksand. And you had Burn, who eventually drifted off into Orange 9mm. And you had all these scenes where it goes beyond the, the, the formula of the sound of hardcore, the formula of the fast beats, the bludgeoning guitars, the breakdowns. It, it kind of started evolving into different areas to where there was different influences added it in, but it never lost the essence of screw you. I'm not doing what you tell me. I'm going against the grain. And so I want to get into one of the bands who was almost a super group of the, that scene. It's a band called Handsome. They had one album. Unfortunately for them, when they came out, there was another band that was popular called Hanson. <laughs> so when you said, yeah, have you heard that band Handsome? They always said, oh, Hanson? God, they sucked. The little kid band? The Umba? No, no, I'm talking Handsome. Which was members of Quicksand, Helmet, Cro-Mags, Iceburn. I mean, if, to, they always said it was kind of a post-core supergroup. I'd say so because... Some of the members of the band went off to do other things after the one album from Hanson, like Jets to Brazil, you know, which was Jawbreaker and the singer from Hanson, Peter Mengade, who was with Helmet on the Meantime album and even Strap It On, joined that band. So we're going to play a couple cuts. I want to play a song that was a B-side. It wasn't even on the album. But it is a pretty intense tune. It's called Closer. And the tune itself kind of sums up the style of this band, even though it wasn't on the album. But if you can find the album, you can probably find it for $1.99 on Amazon or on eBay. But it's well worth it. They only did one album. They did one tour. There's maybe a, a handful of concerts you, you have just now actually been able to find online. 
Um, you had to look all over the place for these things. But eventually people started posting them. And uh, let's check out this track called Closer. Now, let's play a track from the actual self-titled album. Now, Handsome, the lineup was Jeremy Chaitlin. Um, he was from Iceburn. He also uh, ended up in Jets to Brazil after Handsome with, uh, what's his name from uh, Jawbreaker? I can't remember off the top of my head. Peter Mengade from Helmet. Tom Capone, the guitar player from Quicksand alongside uh, Walter Schreifels. Bassist Eddie Nappy and Pete Hines of Cro-Mags and also with Murphy's Law. Um, so you've got this lineup that's pretty amazing. Um, let's play a track off of this album. I want to play, uh, let's see, what's a good song off of here that I think you should hear? Probably going with, uh, let's see. I want to go with, uh, let's go with Waiting. No, 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 switch that up, switch that up. Eden Complex. This is Eden Complex 
from Handsome's self-titled album. If you notice, this is kind of that whole scene. You had government issue uh, out of D.C. turning into Jawbox. It was kind of like a post-punk noise kind of avant-garde sound. You had Fugazi, who started that whole thing off with ex-members of Minor Threat, Ian McKay, and uh, Guy Picado from uh, Rites of Spring. And that happened up in D.C. You had Walter Schreifels of Gorilla Biscuits, and it was moving off into Quicksand and uh, and so you had this with Handsome, and they actually did put out a video 
Um, let's play the video track. This is Needles. Um, it's a pretty daggone cool song, but check it out. If you can find that handsome album online, it's probably like a dollar. You could probably download it. It's well worth it. I might be doing more of these kind of shows from time to time to, to kind of take my background in music, uh, some of the stuff I grew up with, and kind of mix it in with why I believe the way I do uh, politically and culturally. So uh, thanks for hanging out. I'm Adrian Slade, and uh, we'll check you guys out next time. I'm going to leave you with a track, which was probably going to be the follow-up song from Needles as far as singles go. This is Dim the Lights. You guys have a good one. We'll see you.